We're so glad to have you join us here on Come Follow Up. As scholars and religious educators, we're always searching for ways to help individuals and families apply the scriptures more deeply in their lives. Here on Come Follow Up, we look to enrich your daily studies of the Come Follow Me resource as we discuss life-changing principles and study the words of the prophets. We hope that our dialogue today can inspire you so that through the Spirit, you can uncover truths, experience new insights, and deepen your personal conversion. to continue our study of 3 Nephi, chapter 17 through 19, and look specifically at chapters 18 and 19. Christ has already spoken to these children. He has brought them to him. He has prayed for them. He's prayed with the people as well. He has taught them the importance of healing and compassion. Christ is also going to implement the sacrament. He's going to teach these wonderful people about taking upon them his name and being willing to do so. Christ is also going to continue to pray for them. He's going to continue to show this great compassion as he is in their presence. Christ is also going to teach them about the importance of avoiding contention and trying to receive and have in their lives the gift of the Holy Ghost as he leaves them. They recognize that the Holy Ghost is the most important gift that they could be receiving from the Lord. Christ offers a wonderful prayer where he shows gratitude to his Father for the gift of the Holy Ghost as he is leaving them. He continues to show great compassion and love for these people. Elder Hells has said that genuine discipleship is a state of being. So one of the things we're gonna talk about is what precisely does that look like? And to help us in our discussion today is Tad Callister. Welcome, Tad. Tad will be joining us to talk about uh, things like prayer and sacrament and the Holy Ghost, and hopefully we can all learn from each other. Welcome, Tad. So Tad Callister is a former Sunday School General President. He's been a General Authority 70 and the author of several books, two of which are among my favorites, The Infinite Atonement and a newer book, A Case for the Book of Mormon. Thank you for writing those books, and thank you so much for joining us today. Well, it's great to be with you, and I, I appreciate that background information. I'm not even sure my mother would have uh, acknowledged <laughs> all of that, but hey. my, great my great claim to fame is my great <laughs> wife and children. It's good to be with both of you, Barbara and Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tad, so much. Dad, to start us off, I know that as, as I've studied through these chapters, I think it's fascinating that, that these people in chapter 17 and 18 are, are likely struggling. They have likely lost family. They've likely lost friends. And as Christ is preparing to leave them, they have felt Christ's love. They have felt his compassion. They have felt, they have been, experienced him praying for them. And as he's preparing to leave them, it says there in chapter 19, verse 9, and they did pray for that which they most desired, and they desired that the Holy Ghost should be given unto them. I I'm wondering, Tad, maybe first, if you could talk about the reason they would perhaps be praying for the Holy Ghost at this time, and also what role has the Holy Ghost been in your life? What blessings have you received from the Holy Ghost, especially when there may be confusion, and there may be heartaches and difficult times for you? Well, that's such a good question. The scriptures are helpful in telling us the role of the Holy Ghost in many different places yeah. and in many different ways. And we know that one of the roles of the Holy Ghost is that it can comfort us. Another role of the Holy Ghost is that it can enlighten our minds. Another role of the Holy Ghost is to touch our hearts. Or Galatians talks about the fruits of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost can bring us joy. It can bring us peace. It can bring us love. In fact, I imagine that every good gift of life, the Holy Ghost can help magnify in our life if the Holy Ghost is our constant companion. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. So one of the things I encounter sometimes when I'm teaching the youth is sometimes the youth feel like they don't 
feel or recognize the Holy Spirit. So when you bear your testimony, they see somebody bearing their testimony and they're crying and they seem really emotional. Personally, tears don't come naturally to me. Um, and I think that could sometimes lead us to maybe question whether we're actually feeling the Spirit if we're not having a deeply emotional experience. How would you respond to somebody with that concern? Well, and I'd like to just add to that if I could. A bit. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. maybe one of the greatest gifts parents can give to their children is to teach them how to recognize mm -hmm. the Holy Ghost in their lives. Mm -hmm. And we talked about a lot of these ways that the scriptures tell us, but I don't think a lot of our children or members of the church connect the dots. Right. Yeah. That when they feel peace, that is the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. When they have an intent to be a better person, that is the Holy Ghost. When their minds are enlightened and they understand the scriptures better, that is the Holy Ghost. And I think as teachers and as parents, when those moments come into our homes, we can say, what did you feel as we read about the story of Joseph Smith? You didn't have to cry, yeah. but well, I felt kind of a peace or a desire maybe to say my prayers a little bit better. Well, do you mm -hmm. know what that was? Mm -hmm. That was the Holy Ghost helping you understand the need to improve your prayers or make them more powerful. That was the Holy Ghost that gave you peace. So I think one of the greatest things we can do is help connect the dots between the fruits of the Spirit and the Holy Ghost and bear witness when they come into the lives yeah. of our, our saints. Excellent. Uh, have there been times in your life when the Holy Ghost has surprised you in the way that he's talked to you? Because I think a lot of times we may anticipate that the Holy Ghost is gonna come to us, uh, like Elder Callister was said, maybe a still small voice or a warm feeling of peace. Uh, have there been times in your life when it wasn't that? I remember once uh, serving on a mission, I had just picked up a brand new companion and within two weeks, an impression came to me that I was just transferred. And so I told this brand new elder, I said, I've just been transferred. And later that evening, I got a call from the mission office, an emergency transfer. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was helpful to get a heads up from the spirit. Mm -hmm. And that came through just an intellect. I just knew it was a, a knowledge that I had. Thank you. I, I remember one time, Daniel, in that question that you were asking, right as I started my mission, I served in Los Angeles. And every time I felt the Holy Ghost, I would bust a gut. Like I just started <laughs> laughing so hard. And I remember thinking to myself, Barb, you're supposed to be reverent and you're supposed to be quiet and you're supposed to be peaceful. But I just kept feeling so much joy and happiness. I wanted to sing hallelujah everywhere. And I was laughing with the people. And I remember teaching this, this gentleman on our first day of my mission. And, and it was a serious conversation. And I it was just so giddy. And, and the spirit was so strong. I mean, it was cut style. I actually said, I apologize that I'm laughing, but I am just so excited about this gospel. And I'm excited about the Holy Ghost is teaching me. And, and he jumped on that. And he said, no, I actually am feeling really joyful too. But what is it about this that you're sharing with us that is so happy and so great? And it gave us the opportunity then to be able to share with him. Had, had I gone in there and I was too peaceful, maybe <laughs> too quiet. I don't know that he would have jumped on, but I think the Holy Ghost, in a sense, helped me to be happy, helped me to find joy and helped me to be uh, perhaps differently than we sometimes teach culturally yeah. at times. I just wanted to add one thought about uh, remembering the impressions that we had. And I was to go into the mission field just about to leave to preside over the Canada-Toronto East Mission. Elder Scott said to me, Tad, record every spiritual impression you receive. And so I started writing down every impression that would come to me. And I found that it did two things. One is, I think the Lord was more willing to give additional impressions. And the feelings of that moment and the power of that moment 
are able to be retained for future use. So I think one of the ways to have a greater influence of the Holy Ghost and to know you have that influence is to record those impressions when they come and they'll invite more impressions in your life, I believe. Does Holy Spirit have feelings, especially painful one? Because personally, I love to communicate with somebody when I have difficult stuff. I like to, to know that somebody can feel it. And that's one of those questions where we don't get much information in Scripture about, like the emotional experiences of the Holy Ghost. We do have quite a bit about the emotional experiences of Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. I think Lucy Mack Smith, she asked the question, did the Savior understand what it was to be a female? And that makes sense to me that he understood everything that we have understood because there was nothing that escaped his understanding of the human plight. And therefore, he's able to comfort us in the best possible way, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. But we do know that the Holy Ghost is able to comfort us, and so there must be some, some connection there, I would imagine. Yeah. So we actually have a video that has come from those who are at home, and we're gonna listen to a question that we have. Hello, we're the Boydell family. We live in the northwest of England in a village called Haslington. And our question about third Nephi is how do we, as a family in these days, attain that same fullness of joy? What holds us back from feeling, hearing, and seeing in that very same way? So what does, what holds us back from feeling and hearing and seeing the fullness of joy that is discussed in Third Nephi. And maybe even perhaps as we talk about that, some, some may feel that they have felt this fullness of joy. So again, he was asking that question, how do we get to that, that point in our lives? So I was just going to say that the most difficult thing that is preventing us from feeling, seeing, and even hearing the Holy Ghost is our worldly cares. I'm not saying we shouldn't seek for comfort, but I feel like if we can limit our cares of the world, we can be able to feel. Let's just think about the basic things for, for now before I think that would be much more useful when it comes to tuning ourselves to the Holy Ghost so we can be able to feel, hear, and see what we are supposed to. Yeah, and I love that idea that sometimes it's, it's not sin that's keeping us from feeling the Holy Ghost. It's just that there's so much noise, so much distractions, and sometimes we just need to unplug or step away. There's a great quote from President Nelson. In the coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. I recognize what you're saying there, and I think you're exactly right. If one of the prophetic priorities that we have from, from President Nelson is to be able to focus on those things that are of greatest value, of learning to hear him, of learning to pray to him correctly, of learning to really talk and, and, and put the things of God first in our lives. The world is clearly becoming noisier and noisier. I know in my life, I am constantly reminding myself, ere you left your room this morning, Barb, did you think to pray? And honestly, sometimes the answer is no. And I have to get on my knees really quickly. And sometimes the answer is, I think I did. And if I think I did is the answer, that means I probably didn't pray. And I've learned that if I can't remember what I prayed about in the morning, if I can't remember the conversation I had with Heavenly Father then and throughout the day, that I'm likely putting other things in front of God. And it happens more than I'd like to admit. So thank you. Thanks. Now, there are absolutely instances in the scriptures where righteousness is correlated to happiness, right? If you be good, God will bless you, you'll be happy. Jesus talks about, you know, him experience of fullness of joy. There are also instances in which righteous persons seem to be sorrowing very much. The three Nephites, for example, they're blessed that they can remain on the earth and, and, and avoid all pain except it be for the sins of the world. 
So are joy and righteousness, are they always going to be together? One of the reasons I ask this question is because personally I, I experience depression every now and then, even when I'm being righteous. And sometimes it's damaging for me to, to correlate righteousness always to joy because sometimes it doesn't follow, uh, at least in my life. So is there something to that? Well, one insight uh, that comes to my mind as you were talking is that uh, Alma was living in the city of Ammonihah. Mm -hmm. And you remember he'd been rejected, he'd been spit upon, yeah. he'd been cast out, not a very happy moment. Mm -hmm. And then the angel comes to him and he says something that always surprises me. He says, blessed art thou, Alma, therefore lift up thy head and rejoice. Mm -hmm. You know, what do I have to rejoice about? And then the angel tells him why. For thou hast great cause to rejoice, for thou hast been faithful in keeping the commandments. So I think there's times when, of course, we have sorrow. Mm -hmm. But underlying it, the firm foundation is we know that if we keep the commandments of God, if we have that eternal perspective, mm -hmm. that ultimately God will be fair and just with us and we can have a fullness of joy. In the scriptures we're taught that Adam fell, that men might be, men are, that they might have joy. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we have joy always. But there's, I like how you said that there's an underlying sense of joy that, that people are able to have. There, there is also a difference, I would say, between one who is struggling with a real with a real depression or a chemical depression of mm -hmm. some sort and someone who is just having a, a bad day per se. And mm -hmm. that's something perhaps we don't have time to get into now, but it, it is an important point that we're careful as as friends and family mm -hmm. to be sensitive to those who are struggling with those mm -hmm. types of of heartaches in mm -hmm. a sense and not just assuming that if you're a member of the church you should be feeling joy all the time. Yeah. I think that's a very valid point is that we go through real sorrows and depression and Good people have mental illnesses and good people have physical ailments. Mm -hmm. But I think it, what always helps me remember, the, the help gives me kind of this eternal perspective is that there is no external event that can rob you of your agency. That's impossible once the atonement was performed. You are ultimately in the driver's seat and there may be difficult things along the way, but ultimately you can get there, mm -hmm. you can get there. So Tad, we, we know that we're told time and time again that the way that we build a good relationship with our Heavenly Father, with Jesus Christ, is through prayer. So based on your personal experience, based on your reading of these scriptures, what can we do to pray well? Um, and how has your understanding of prayer developed over the course of your life? Well, I think I learned one great lesson about prayer when I was the age of some of the young men in this audience. How old are you, young man? I'm 14. 14? When I was just a little older than that, I was 16 or 17. Uh, I was just kneeling by my bed one night saying my prayers and unbeknownst to me, my mother stepped into the doorway. And when I finished my prayer, my mother said to me, Tad, are you praying that the Lord will help you find a good mate? I said, wow, mom, no, no, not, not really. You know, I'm kind of into <laughs> basketball and sports. And, and you were how old? <laughs> 17. Okay, okay, 17. Wow. Yeah. And my mother said, well, you should, son, because it'll be the most important decision you'll ever make. And my mother left. She didn't say anything more. But it so stuck with me, those words of my mother that were inspired, that for the next six years, I prayed every day that the Lord would help me find a good mate. Mm -hmm. And know how we did. And it taught me a great lesson that our prayers, we ought to pray for things of eternal worth. One thing I did want to point out, so I tried to go through this chapter and underline all the instruction that Christ gives us about prayer. 
pray always, pray like Christ prays, pray so we don't enter temptation, pray into the Father in my name, pray in our families so that others will be blessed and pray for other people. And one of the things that stuck out to me was this statement that we should pray always. The instruction to pray always, either that's not literal or I'm misunderstanding prayer. What does it mean to pray always? What does that look like in practice to pray always? I love the idea of praying always. It's like taking the Lord with you. I find myself pondering in the car, often a lot of my prayers are in the shower, where I can just speak my heart to Him. And those to me are more powerful moments with my Savior and my Father in Heaven than my kneel down prayers, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. I think also in the Bible dictionary, there's a, there's a statement where it says, as soon as we learn the true relationship in which we stand towards God, namely God is our Father and we are His children, then at once prayer becomes natural and instinctive on our part. Many of the so-called difficulties about prayer arise from forgetting this relationship. We don't necessarily always have to start and say, Dear Heavenly Father, but I know in, in my life, my prayers are often, and I'm sure the prayers of others as well, I am just continually talking with the Lord. As I'm driving or as I'm thinking, as I'm preparing the scriptures, as I'm, as I'm doing laundry, as I'm talking with my children, it, it, it doesn't matter what it is. It seems as if there's just a constant discussion. And sometimes it's not, it's not a happy discussion. Sometimes it's a frustrating or it's a please. I am pleading for help right now. If yeah, I understand you correctly, are you, are you saying that sometimes when you're angry or frustrated, you kind of express that to God? Or I will you? say, I do not understand what's going on here. I, I need help. Mm -hmm. I feel lonely. I feel forgotten at this moment. I, I remember one time my father was diagnosed with terminal liver cancer. My mother had just passed away. My husband, who was then my fiance at that point, had just broken off our engagement. And I was by myself in a room expected to go teach the gospel within an hour. And I laid on that bed and I pled for help. And I didn't necessarily get down off my bed and onto my knees that day because, frankly, I physically did not have the capacity. I was exhausted. And yes, there have been times when I have gone to the Lord and just said, you have got to be kidding me right now. <laughs> like, this is beyond. And, and I, I, I need somebody to do something here. And, and where are you in all of this? Mm -hmm. But on the other side, say that he has always made himself known. But sometimes it's not in the moment. Right. I love that you referred to prayer as a conversation. Um, to me though, a conversation isn't really a conversation worth having if both parties aren't both talking and listening. And so I know that just for me personally, sometimes I fall into the trap where I just kind of want to get my prayers over with. And so I just talk and talk and talk and then I'm done. How do you think that we can more effectively listen? Well, I remember Isaiah said, the Lord said, come, let us reason together. And I think sometimes in your prayers, it's okay to reason with the Lord. Sometimes that's a conversational style, like I'm thinking about doing this. These are the, the reasons that I would like to do this, but maybe the reasons I shouldn't do it are this. And I think sometimes as you try to reason out things with the Lord and you honestly can say to him, I, I will do your will, but help me understand it. I think that's part of the conversation you have with the Lord is as you try to reason it out and ponder it and then say, whatever your will is, I will do, but help me understand it. I think that's one insight that might be helpful. Yeah. Let me share with you an, an effort that I do that works, that has worked well for me, although I'm constantly trying to perfect that as well. I, I have become intentional with my prayers. Often in my prayers, I write them down. And I ask the Lord, 
is this the question I should be asking today? Or is there a better question? Or as Elder Scott says, is there more that I should be learning? Is there more that I could be doing this? And it becomes a witness of God listening and answering, but also of me listening and answering, where I actually have in my journal times that I've said, answered on this day, on this topic, on this, and in fact, to writing down spiritual experiences, I have had to force myself to listen. And I listen often with paper and pen in hand. One of the realities I think that we all face is sometimes we feel like God is silent. So what do we do in those instances? How do we maintain a good relationship with our Heavenly Father when we feel like He's being silent? For me, I see pray always as carrying that prayer with me throughout the day and looking around me, trying to see in the interactions I have with other people and in the beauties that there are in life, what kind of answers I can get from that. Because I really do feel that by carrying that prayer, by looking for answers in our everyday life, that we're having God there with us and that He can answer us in, in any moment and that it's no longer just a silence, but that we can be with Him always mm -hmm. and that He can be with us always. I love that idea of using that silence as something that's spiritually productive because it causes you to look for God elsewhere. Like it causes you to be more attentive to God in your life. It orients you to God, as it were. So another important uh, topic or another important subject in these chapters is, is the sacrament. How would you respond to somebody who says, um, sometimes I just don't get much out of it? What can we do to make the sacrament a more transformative experience for us, do you think? Well, I think the Savior in these verses tried to uh, give us the key. Mm -hmm. And the key was to remember the Savior and His life. There's something about just remembering the Savior, if we'll make the effort to do that, that will reflect upon His life, that it's like a spiritual magnet that draws the Spirit into our life. Mm -hmm. And if we really remember the Savior, we reflect upon His life, what He's done for us, and what we'd like to do to be more like Him, Mm -hmm. I find when I do that, it's a more sacred experience. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, my mind sometimes wanders and I don't get as much out of it. And it's mm -hmm. not the sacrament's fault. It's not right. the Savior's fault. <laughs> right. Right. It's my fault. That's yeah. the bottom line. Right. Chad, what do, you, what do you do with, I, I think about my mom with 12 children and my dad usually. And how do you help somebody who is trying yeah. to get the most, a transformative, this, yeah. this kind of experience with the Savior during the sacrament. But in reality, they're having their earrings pulled out and the kids mm. are screaming. And <laughs> So one thing I learned, and I'm not sure if this is the right way to approach it, but once I started having small kids and our sacrament meetings were essentially just wrangling children, I recognized that I can't sit quietly and be reflective and read the words of the scriptures and the hymns and, and try to fill the spirit. But I can do my best to help my children fill the spirit, which is to say, I can you know help them reflect or show them pictures. We have like a little flip book. Oh, what's yeah. Jesus doing here? One thing that's helped me is just to recognize that it's not all about me anymore. Because when you're focusing on other people, the natural consequence of that is that it's bringing the Spirit. You're feeling closer to Christ. That's one way I've thought I think, about it. I think that's such a good thought. And I think the Lord's a good compensator. You know, if you're a mother struggling with mm -hmm. all those kids. I or think a father. Or a father. Yeah. yeah, or a father. <laughs> I think the Lord can compensate. And maybe it's 30 seconds, maybe it's 10 seconds of mm -hmm. something that can come. and. You don't always have to be at step 10. I think step one pleases the Lord sometimes. Yeah. Any step you take forward to mm -hmm. try and remember Him or help your kids, and I think that's good counsel. You've given Him probably, there's a lot of good mothers and fathers out here who have a good counsel of how they've tried to make it meaningful too. Yeah, absolutely. 
Good. It's something from the Come Follow Me manual that, that is from President Eyring. As you examine your life during the ordinance of the sacrament, I hope your thoughts center not only on things you have done wrong, but also on the things you have done right. And then he continues, moments when you have felt that Heavenly Father and the Savior were pleased with you. I love that idea of during the sacrament, focus of thinking about the good things that we're doing, thinking about the positive of our lives and how Christ is experiencing the fullness of joy with us as we reflect sometimes. We, I think sometimes we miss the joy of the sacrament in, in trying to think of our sins that we're trying to be forgiven of. Dad, once again, we thank you for being here with us. Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your insights especially your testimony of Jesus Christ that you have gained. We're eager to hear from you in the future, whether through social media or in person. So until next week, please join us and we'll come follow up. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.